Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 576 for the 21st of January, 2018. This week, telephone-based spam and scams continue to escalate. Those with landlines have limited options for fighting back, but mobile phone users and those who use some voice over IP systems have an increasing number of weapons. In short circuits, even if your computer has already been updated to deal with the specter and meltdown threats, you might receive a message that tells you to download another patch. Don't do it. Some people needlessly fear cookies that many websites write to their computers. Most cookies are safe, but some caution is reasonable. In spare parts only on the website, the Banking and Securities Department in Pennsylvania has released an electronic booklet that has some useful tips to avoid being scammed online. It's available no matter where you live. And new docking stations that have been designed and built by companies that don't make computers have worthwhile features that computer manufacturers don't include in their docks. They work with both Windows and Mac OS computers. from the Fulfillment Department. You probably receive calls like that every day, maybe several times a day, calls that are nothing more than scams. The problem seems to be worsening, but there is some hope. Protections exist for cell phones and most voice over IP systems, but landlines don't even include caller identification by default, not unless you pay extra for it. Increasingly, crooks have found ways to fool caller ID, too. I don't bother with caller ID on the landline, but it comes without additional charge on most cellular plants, including mine. So we've got the Federal Do Not Call Registry. Why doesn't it work? The Federal Do Not Call Registry was created during the early years of the second Bush administration. It was intended to enforce the 1991 Telephone Consumer Protection Act. We could add our phone numbers to a federal list and turn off marketing calls. Well, that worked for a while, and it still works with honest marketers, not with scammers who use robocalls to spew their deceitful scams. A few years ago, I told a live scammer that my number was on the do-not-call list. Oh, how's that working out for you? He said. Phone scams are skyrocketing. They cost American consumers billions of dollars every year. In many ways, the do-not-call registry was doomed from the outset. In addition to the fact that crooks generally don't obey laws that are intended to hinder their operations, there's also the fact that whole classes of unwanted callers are free to ignore the do-not-call registry legally. These include political organizations, polling companies, charities, and anybody who can claim an ongoing relationship with you. Most of the scammers are free to do what they want because they use voice-over-internet protocol services to make inexpensive calls from outside the United States. They don't even have to know your number. Robocallers can call every number in every exchange of every area code all over the country. 
so no wonder the Do Not Call registry just doesn't work. And one of the more recent tricks is to have the call spoof a number in your local exchange. Exchange is that three-digit number between the phone's area code and the line number. It's all defined in the North American Numbering Plan, or NANP. The NANP was defined in the 1940s by AT&T for the Bell Telephone System. It's used throughout the United States, Canada, many Caribbean nations, and U.S. territories. Telephone numbers consist of several components. First is the country code, and that would be a 1 for all of the nations in the North American Numbering Plan. Then there's a three-digit code. 614 is one of two overlapping codes in central Ohio. Next is a three-digit exchange code. A couple of those in my area are 888 and 785. And then there's a four-digit line or station number, four zeros through four nines. So, total of 10,000 numbers. When a call to my cell phone comes through from a number that begins with 614-785, it appears to be from a local caller. Scammers know that many people will trust what appears to be a local call, even if they don't recognize the actual number. So they've learned how to make phone calls look like they're coming from a local number. The usual response to spam calls involves blocking the number. But that no longer really works, because the scammer can randomize the calling number with every call. There's got to be a better way. Actually, several applications exist for iOS and Android phones. Some also work with voice over IP systems. None that I've found work with the standard telephone systems, a plain old telephone service or POTS lines. But after trying a couple of them on my cell phone, I signed up for the paid version of one of them. Both RoboKiller and Nomo Robo have won contests by the Federal Trade Commission to block unwanted calls. RoboKiller is currently available only for Apple phones, so I had expected Nomo Robo to be the one I'd sign up for. Actually, I signed up for TrueCaller because Nomo Robo's performance was disappointing. If you decide to try one of these apps, be sure to download it via the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Downloading from the provider's website would also be safe if you're absolutely certain that you are on the developer's website. Now, although I signed up for TrueCaller, I recommend taking a look at RoboKiller if you have an Apple phone. RoboKiller's process is designed to waste the time of spam callers. So for now, I'm using TrueCaller on a month-to-month -month basis and hoping that RoboKiller will eventually be released for Android. And in fact, there's hope there. Ethan Garr, who's the vice president at TechTech Systems, RoboKiller's developer, says the company is in the process of building an Android version and they expect to launch it before April. The RoboKiller Android app will not only block more than 100,000 spammers from ever ringing on your phone, but it'll also allow users to unleash our answer bots on spammers, he says. These are recordings that talk back to spammers and waste their time. Wasting a scammer's time is important, Gar says, because it's the economics of cheap calls that's driving the scourge of scam calls. Most of the call blocker apps offer a brief trial period and then cost 2 to $3 a month for continued service. In most cases, the trial periods are too short for users to develop a real, true understanding of how the system works. RoboKiller is the app that I am most interested in trying, but TrueCaller is a workable alternative for now. It's more like a traditional caller ID application, but it does offer to block known spammers 
and to allow users to specify numbers that they want to block separately. My cell phone is in the 614 area code and the 785 exchange. Because I currently receive no legitimate phone calls from any user in my cell phone numbers exchange, I have blocked all numbers that start with 1-614-785. That's easy to do with TrueCaller, but there's no option, at least not yet, to selectively allow individual numbers within the blocked range. That means if I need to receive a call from someone in the 785 exchange, I'll have to unblock all of the numbers. I had also looked at Mr. Number. That app blocks known spam numbers and allows users to report numbers that will then be added to the list of spammers. There are also options to add individual numbers you want to block, to block a call that hides the originating number, to block international calls, or to block calls from anyone not in your contact list. That could be dangerous. TrueCaller displays a notification for inbound calls that are not automatically rejected as spam. If the caller's name is available, it'll be displayed, as will the number and the date of the last call received from that number. You then have the option of accepting the call or rejecting it. There's also a screen that shows a list of received calls, the numbers they're from, and any available identifying information. TrueCaller has reduced the number of scam calls and SMS messages to my cell phone, but I'm still looking forward to seeing what RoboKiller will have to offer on an Android device. So this is a topic I'll revisit when RoboKiller has been released for the Android. Until then, my recommendations are TrueCaller for those with Android devices, RoboKiller for those with Apple devices. In short circuits, online crooks are nothing if not inventive. By now, your operating system, whether it's Mac OS, Linux, or Windows, has probably been updated to reduce hardware dangers associated with attacks called Spectre and Meltdown. But now, there's another threat. Malwarebytes has reported a fake patch that attempts to install malware called Smokeloader, a fake website that claims to be part of the German Federal Office for Information Security is the source. So far, the threat seems to be limited to Germany and German-speaking users. However, it's a safe bet that the attack will be widened and we'll start seeing it in the United States. Users receive an email that claims to be from the German federal government. In the U.S., they'll obviously spoof the U.S. government. The message directs the user to download and install a patch, which is actually malware. The Malwarebytes blog post says, and I quote, It's always important to be cautious, especially when urged to perform an action, for example, calling Microsoft or a toll-free number or updating a piece of software, because there's a chance that such requests are fake and intended either to scam you or to infect your computer. The Malwarebytes blog post goes on, There are very few legitimate cases when vendors will directly contact you to apply updates. If this is the case... It's always good to verify the information via other online resources or friends first. Crooks keep an eye on the news, and when they see something that can be exploited, a natural disaster that would let them set up a fake donation site, or a hardware flaw that makes it possible to offer malware disguised as a legitimate patch, they act 
quickly. The German exploit starts with an email that directs users to a fake website offering a link to Intel AMD Security Patch 1101BSI.zip. The file extracted from the archive is called Intel AMD Security Patch 10-1v1.exe, and despite that name, it's just malware that installs Smokeloader. Smokeloader can then install other malware, and it can send data from your computer to crooks. And to make the exploit more believable, the fake site uses a secure connection, HTTPS, instead of just plain HTTP. But that only means the connection between your computer and the site is secure. It doesn't indicate anything on the site is legitimate, trustworthy, or safe. You've doubtless noted that many sites now display a message that says the site uses cookies. These have become increasingly prevalent in the last year or so. That's mainly because of law in the European Union. In fact, the EU has been driving most advances in privacy and security matters as the U.S. continues to fall behind. The most common version of the cookie notice simply says that the site uses cookies and then gives the user a single option, either OK or I got it or something like that. Now, in some cases, the explanations are a little more involved. For example, a notice on cookielaw.org, a site that provides a paid service for companies that need to ensure compliance with the EU law. Their notice says, We are using cookies to provide statistics that help us give you the best experience of our site. You can find out more or switch them off if you prefer. However, by continuing to use the site without changing settings, you are agreeing to our use of cookies. You haven't seen one of these notices on the TechBiter Worldwide website. That's because I don't use cookies. For the site, there's no particular benefit that cookies would offer me as a website designer or you as a website user. In some cases, cookies can benefit the website developer, the user, or both. Consider a bank that I use as an example. The bank sets a cookie after I have successfully logged on with a username, password, security question, and a two-factor authentication. As long as I leave the cookie alone, leave it in place, subsequent logins from the same browser on that computer will omit the need for the two-factor authentication. In other words, I have to use just a username, a password, and a security question. I don't have to do the two-factor authentication because the bank's website recognizes the browser I'm on. That's because it sees the cookie. If I use a different browser on the same computer, or a different computer, even if I'm using the same browser, I'll have to go through the two-factor authentication process again. And if I delete the bank's cookie, well, my browser is no longer going to be recognized and the login will be needlessly delayed by the validation requirement. I know some people who have what seems to be a deathly fear of cookies and they immediately delete them or don't allow them to be set at all. Then often they complain about how hard it is to use a site that expects cookies. Basic cookies are just text files. They serve as kind of a short-term memory for your browser. Cookies can be more complicated than that, 
and they can serve advertisers' goals more than yours, so some level of caution is reasonable. There are ways to eliminate all existing cookies and block future ones, but deleting all of your browser's cookies will probably cause some pain for you. Most browsers offer some level of control, though. On the TechBiter Worldwide website, I demonstrate with Firefox's options. One of the options under the Accept Cookies for Websites option is for third-party cookies. Third-party cookies are ones that are created by a site other than the one you're visiting. For example, XYZ Marketing might set a cookie when I visit foo.com. I accept those third-party cookies as well as any cookie from the website I'm visiting. However, if I visit foo.com and the XYZ Marketing Company attempts to set a cookie for bar.com, I will block it because the third party is trying to create a cookie for a site I have not visited. Most browsers do have third-party cookie settings. The most common options are accept all, reject all, and accept from visited sites. Applications such as CCleaner or CrapCleaner have options to allow cookie deletion on a per-browser basis. I simply delete that option because it deletes all cookies when it's enabled. Refusing all cookies will make your internet life harder than it needs to be, but keeping an eye on who's writing cookies to your computer is still a pretty good practice. And I think another pretty good practice is visiting the TechBiter Worldwide website for spare parts because that's the only place you'll find it. This week, the Banking and Securities Department in Pennsylvania has released an electronic booklet that has some useful tips to avoid being scammed online. It is available no matter where you live. And new docking stations that have been designed and built by companies that don't make computers have some worthwhile features that computer manufacturers don't include in their docks. One, for example, they work with both Windows and Mac OS computers. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.